everyone, welcome to The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Brian. With me is Steve. I like chicken more than I like pork and beef. Uh, and also with us is Slash. This podcast is not at all sponsored by Taco Bell, but Taco Bell is bringing back the nacho fries on Wednesday, December 23rd. Get your hot and spicy, not that spicy, nacho fries. Dip them in the cheese, put them on a burger, live your life, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, or whatever holiday you do or don't celebrate. Be safe, wear a mask. Bye, Taco Bell. If you're atheist, have a nice day. Okay. Everyone knows that we love Taco Bell. Yeah, okay. You know who else loves Taco Bell? Who? Who loves Taco Bell? Kyle Bergman. Who is the whole reason that I got him into One Piece. And speaking of One Piece, we're glad you joined us today. Hell yeah, let's talk about some One Piece. Take it away, Steve. Yep, I will do. Episode 49, Kitetsu 3 and Yubashiri, Zoro's New Swords and the Woman's Sergeant Major. It's a hell of a title, but so action-packed. This is a fun episode, y'all. I hope y'all are ready for it. So anyways, here we are. You know, the Marines are kind of looking for Luffy. They're like, where the hell is this guy at? We're we're searching for his ass. Trying to find him. We see Luffy climbing up the execution platform when Smoker finds him. And you know what Captain Smoker says? You're under arrest. The only way you're going to get to the Grand Line, Luffy, is if you get by me. Luffy just can't say no. So you know what? They just start fucking fighting. Smoker's like, desire to be king of the pirates is absurd. That, uh... You, the rubber boy, don't match up to Roger. You know what? I'm still gonna go for my dream. Fucking flings out his fist and he punches himself across the city when his attack misses. And he just fucking just throws himself out there. Well, then we pan into Sanji and Sanji's trying to find Buggy's accomplice. uh, The woman of his dreams. A.K.A. Sanji's woman in the red dress but yeah he's just like searching for this woman he says i spy with my little eye something that is my captain and flying across the sky holy shit it's luffy's flying across the sky and he's like yeah whatever i don't give a shit let me go find this woman hubba 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 anyways here we then come back into buggy and his crew are waiting out out a the Gold Roger bar, and they're reading some tarot. Buggy's like, ah. He flips over a card, and he's like, yeah, we're going to kill whoever it is. And then the lady comes in, and she's like, well, who are you going to kill? And Buggy flips over, he's like, ah. And it's a joker. No, it's me. And literally just means that they're going to kill Buggy. <laughs> so it's kind of comedic. Emoji kind of just dips down, and he says, Oh, uh, hey, boss. Uh, I saw a rocket and rubber boy. Luffy crash lands into this fountain. He decides to take a nap. It's like, well, okay. Whatever. So there he is napping. After he crash landed into a fountain, we pan back to our blue-haired swordswoman, 
who is extremely intent on getting Zoro to repay her after Zoro broke her glasses. And so she leads him through the city until they reach the Rogue Town Marine precinct. Yes, she is a Marine. As she's telling Zoro to come and do all this shit in the Marine precinct, there's these other soldiers that walk by and they salute her and stuff like that and, and call her a Sergeant Major. She's putting Zoro to work as a janitor to repay his debt. He's like, what the hell ever? I guess I'll do it. In order to go a little faster, uh, he can use the three mop technique. Takes a quick break to watch uh, the blue-haired lady practice some. But he's then confronted by some other Marines who they know that he's part of Luffy's crew. They know that he's Rodonoa Zoro. And they're like, yo, we're going to arrest you right now. The hell are you doing cleaning our floors for, you dummy? Zoro just beats him with the fucking mops. The blue hair lady just comes up and is like, Zoro left some money for her for her glasses on top of these unconscious bodies. So it's like, oh shit, wild over here. And so he still repaid his debt, so it is what it is. But then we pan back to Zoro, and Zoro is hitting up a weapon shop to try to pick up two more swords. For a uh, hundred thousand berries. Now, these hundred thousand berries is not very much. It's very minimal. So you probably couldn't get very much. Zoro was looking in the shop like he was window shopping. And they had ones for 750,000 berries or whatever. And so, swords are expensive. Pretty fucking expensive. The owner kind of comes, Zoro comes in, he's talking to the owner. No just thinks he's some amateur, but he just is shocked when he notices Zoro's sword from Kuina, which apparently he calls it legendary. This is a legendary sword. Uh, so the owner is like, oh, I'll give you 300,000. He, he first he was like, I'll give you 200,000 berries. So that way you have 300,000 to buy two more swords. And he just kept increasing his prices because this owner's like, so nervous he's just like oh my god i need the sword and he just keeps raising the price like an idiot eventually the owner just tries to buy the sword even going as high to offer like eight hundred thousand berries but zora refuses but then wait just then the sergeant walks in and she's glad to see zora for some reason and glad to see he's unharmed she gives him back his money and she already bought new glasses well with her sight, she immediately recognizes Zoro's sword. She's like, whoa, what is this? And she uh, pretty much just uh, takes down capitalism in all one fell swoop. When she's like, oh my gosh, this sword is worth at least 10 million berries. Kind of just outing the, the store person for lowballing this sword. And she's like, oh my god, it's a legendary sword. It's a Wado Ichimonji. And so basically the shopkeep wants the pair out. He's like, the hell out of here, you you monster. You threw my business. I could have this sword for 800,000 berries or whatever. And here you come in and bust my balls or my chops or whatever. Kind of reluctantly, he was like, well, okay, whatever. You see those two barrels over there, Zoro? Well, he didn't say Zoro, but he's talking to Zoro. He was like, you know what? You could pick whatever two swords out of those buckets. 
or 50,000 and that'll be my deal for you. Okay. And so he's like, well, whatever. I just need two swords. And so he goes over and starts looking through the bucket. Well, the blue haired lady is following him and she's talking all about Zoro because she doesn't know that she's actually talking to Zoro and how he's all so well known and his skills are known far and wide throughout the East Blue, but that the pirate hunters is not a good person. And he's like, oh, okay. Why is that? And he's like, a swordsman who is just a bounty hunter is no honorable swordsman at all. And she's also talking about, I'm going to work as hard as I can to perfect my skills, then one day I'll take back all the legendary swords because the filthy hands that they hold them now have no right to wield them. Kind of just like her, like, I'm better than and holier than thou, and and fuck these other people because I'm going to take all these legendary swords. Well, you know, Zoro's like, oh, whatever. I don't really give a shit. But you know what? Zoro falls upon the sword in a barrel, pulls it out, and he's like, oh, what's this sword? And she looks it up, and she's just like, oh, man, it's another uh, a legendary sword. It's another really rare sword. So he asks the shopkeeper to sell it to him. And the shopkeeper's like, no, you don't want that sword. You don't want that sword. And the blue-haired lady's like, well, why not? And Zoro's like, well, it's cursed. Here we find out about the the series of the Kitetsu swords and how the their wielders tend to not have very good um, deaths when they have the sword. So each, like, sword handler or wielder tends to die an untimely death when they possess these Kitetsu swords. Uh, starting all the way back at Kitetsu 1 and Kitetsu 2. So Kitetsu 3 is pretty much a uh, very cursed sword as well. So Zoro, being the crazy motherfucker that he is, decides, you know what? I'm going to decide my own fate, and it's going to be my luck versus the curse of the sword. And so he decides that it's a source for him and he tosses up in the air and it's spinning all around, around, around and it comes back up. And as soon as it comes out all the way up, the man sticks out his arm. Okay. And this blade is like sharp as shit, man. He'll cut through anything like a hot knife through butter. It's that sharp. So this knife is falling back down and Zora's arms out there. Everyone's like fucking flabbergasted and shocked. Why would he do that shit? He's going to lose his arm as it falls back down, completely misses his arm before lodging into the floor and doesn't even touch Zoro. In this complete display of insanity, it turns out to be Zoro's like, I'll take it. And so he decides to give Zoro both the Kutetsu and the Yubashiri, which is a family heirloom, free. Because this man is one lucky duck. Zoro is once again finds himself with three swords. He can now use his three sword style. So we pan back to Luffy and Luffy wakes up from his nap. Decides, you know what, I'm going to travel back to the execution platform. Even though I just fucking flung myself from there. But meanwhile, the buggy pirates are coming to the city looking for revenge. And so the two pirate captains are back into each other. Both Luffy and Buggy. And it's pretty comical because they're they're looking all around trying to find the shit and they keep overlooking each other. It feels like some Scooby-Doo shit, like don't see each other the entire time and they just keep walking past in search of their own objectives. Until Buggy 
absentmindedly somehow just gives Luffy directions. Luffy just runs off, and Buggy's like, holy shit, that was Luffy. Okay, and so he's kind of pissed. Pan back to the Marines, who are trying to find Luffy as fast as they can. Captain Spoker's just like, you know what, this this boy's going to pop back up sometime. The sergeant, who we now find out is Tashigi, runs in to see all the bustling activity. The Marines that Zoro beat up reveal just who they encountered. And as we show it, Luffy is on his way back to the platform. For a second time, he's on his way back. And thus, that ends episode 49. But yeah, lots of fun moving stuff. A lot of great lore with the sword lore. Uh, what do you guys think about like the sword lore and just episode in general? Yeah, I think uh, I mean, as far as the swords, we've already kind of had a dip into that. When we saw Big Man Mihawk's huge sword, how they mentioned, like, wow, that thing looks like it could cut a boat in half. They say after it cuts a boat in half. It's cool that there are, you see that from different perspectives. And, like, even though Tashi's kind of got, like, a very, like, pure ver- vision of, like, I want to save the world's sword from all these criminals. She's also got a case of the anime Clueless Brain. She takes, like, a hot minute to realize, oh, that was Zoro? You know, but uh, no, that is that is cool that you do see that. And like, I guess cursed swords are a thing in this world, which, I mean, we do see some later. Uh, and let's just say upgrades that Zoro will eventually get. But he's got his swords back. That's cool. Yeah, a lot, a lot of moving parts in this one, though. Uh, again, another canon episode, like manga canon. Like, this is just straight up, like, lots of moving parts, lots of different things. Everything's building up to, you know, Luffy just having these encounters finally at the... Uh, at the execution platform. But uh yeah, you're starting to see all the all the pieces move. I think it does a good job of keeping up with all parties. But uh yeah, no, no, not too much else to say. Pretty pretty straightforward on this one, but um cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. It is pretty straightforward. Not too much to go into. Let's go back to the notes. No, yeah, literally I can't think of anything to say even with all the notes that I took, and these ones I took completely sober, as opposed to the last episode. Zoro getting swords. Actually, I do want to cut back to where they're talking about the cursed swords. Without too many spoilers, do you see the first two swords in the Kitetsu line come back? Can't 100% recall. But I do know that there are other cursed swords that Zoro gets his hands on in the future. That is the most I will say. There might be. Later sometime in the Grand Line, they might come across someone with a sword. I know it's a precious sword. I don't know if it's necessarily one of the Kitetsu swords. Okay. And if it does help, there is a place we eventually come to that also is much more historically significant in terms of the creation of swords upon this world, but I will leave it at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there really isn't much more to say about this. I think a lot happens. There's a lot in moving parties. So it's, it's all just kind of laid out for us. Little, little left to the mystery, as it were. Okay, let's keep going with episode 50. Oh, this is something I wanted to say. For whatever reason, the 
just something I've encountered, I guess, because it seems to be a Funimation dub thing. The titles that it gives on Funimation aren't what they say on the dub. Like, they'll say something for the title, and the title they got from it is Usopp versus Daddy the Parent, Showdown at High. A little weird that they ended on high, but whatever. But what it actually says on the episode, like vocally, like it has this as the title card, but what it says is Usopp versus Daddy the Father, Showdown at High Noon, which makes a little more sense, but yeah, just... A little, little weird discrepancies, I guess. I still don't know why they called it Logtown. They could have just left it as Logtown or Roguetown. But here we are. So, Toshiki is arguing with Smoker about his blase attitude towards searching for Luffy. And then they are both interrupted by a bounty hunter. And this man is known as Daddy the Father Masterson. Now... Daddy used to, feels weird saying daddy, but I'm going to be saying it all uh-huh. along. Daddy Masterson was once one of the best snipers in the Marines. And the way that he looks is just kind of like Clint Eastwood as the man with no name, going around with like a cloak, if you will, and his hat. We cut away from that. And you see Zoro acquiring his new cursed sword. And that is when Luffy startles him. And small talk, basically, just, hey, what's up? But almost immediately, the pair see Daddy get ambushed by some men that are seeking revenge, basically. And the bounty hunter easily beats his, like, five to one odds. The last person still conscious, he basically says, hey, run home to your mom. So we cut away from that, and we see Usopp walking through the city. He is loaded down with all of his supplies, And the idea strikes him, hey, while I'm here, maybe I should get a new nice pair of goggles. So he goes to another store and he finds this new, like, top of the line pair of goggles. But, you know, they have some sort of technology. It's a slight level up in the world with whatever technology they have access to at that point where they are located. But... Usopp isn't the only person that wants these goggles, so he had left his giant pack of shit outside the shop, which has his wallet, so he goes and runs to get his wallet from the bag, and you see this little girl go, and she buys the goggles herself. Usopp, you know, because he's a greedy dick, tries to pressure the little girl into giving him the goggles, And that is when she reveals that she has some close ties to the Marines. Which, you know, Usopp decides to push harder. Like, oh yeah, well, I'm not afraid of the Marines. I single-handedly destroyed Arlong Park, and I defeated all the fishmen. As it turns out, this little girl is Carol, and she is Daddy's girl. Usopp, having tried to bluff that he was worth 30 million, piques the interest of the bounty hunter. Daddy happens to be walking up to Carol, at this point in time, and she's like, hey, this mean, very old guy, she's she's very insistent on calling Usopp old when Usopp's like 17 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, she's like, hey, this old man 
is trying to take these goggles that I bought for you. Also, he says he's worth 30 million. And daddy's like, 30 million? So Usopp, besides his marksmanship, his, surprisingly, his best skill might be having a way with words. But it's also his, it is also one of his worst skills because Usopp manages to talk his way out of trouble with the bounty hunter by saying, oh yeah, Luffy is such a monster. You've got this little girl to take care of. Do you really want to invite trouble by attacking me? My captain's got a 30 million bounty. Do you really want to try to test this? Usopp just like can't let shit lie though. So he keeps pushing further and further, talking himself back into trouble. So daddy gives him a pistol to duel for the goggles. And that's when Usopp realizes, oh no, this is Daddy Masterson. So we cut away to Nami, and she is walking with her gathered supplies. And she once again sees that one of the guys is doing something incredibly stupid. So she sees that Usopp and Daddy are back to back and getting ready for their duel. And they take their paces. So they're going step by step, and Usopp is thinking about how he is going to die until they get to the count of eight, and Usopp, coward that he is, tosses a smoke bomb to try to run away under the cover of the smoke, which would probably work for most people, actually, except, as they said, Daddy was one of the best shooters in the Marines, so theoretically he was one of the best shooters in this entire world. So even with all of this smoke covering Usopp, he manages to shoot the pistol out of Usopp's hand as he's running. The crowd disperses, and they don't get their blood, and they're all commenting like, man, what a fucking coward. So it's just Usopp, Nami, Daddy, and Carol, and Usopp is begging for his life, saying, hey, I'm way too easy for you to kill to waste your time on. And Usopp starts offering Nami's money to try to save his life. Like, oh, hey, she's got money. Just take it from her. And Daddy says something about, oh, you're going to hide behind a woman? And Usopp flips a switch in his mind, and he just immediately is like, wait a minute. I need to take full responsibility for this. And Nami is surprised, and she just says his name, like, Usopp. Shocked. And Daddy Masterson hears Nami say Usopp's name. And he's like, oh, I know you. I've met your father once, long ago. Which continues this trend of people randomly saying, oh, wait, Usopp, I know you. And we get a flashback to when, I think they just called him Ensign Masterson then, not Daddy. When Masterson and Yasop dueled. And Yasop won. But he doesn't immediately finish Masterson off after noticing a locket around the Marine's neck. And it has a picture of the young Carol. So the rest of the Shanks pirates are just drinking. Shanks walks away once the actual duel has finished. And Yasop talks to Daddy about how yeah, I could never really 
get a handle on the job of fatherhood. And he talks about how he had left Usopp back at home around the time that Usopp could finally start to walk. Masterson asks why Yasop would abandon his son. Like, oh, you didn't love your kid? And Yasop says, no, I loved him. It's just that I loved the sea more. Which is kind of a fucked up thing to say. I get it's like, oh, this is how much I love the sea. But also, maybe I'm just viewing this from my own father issues, I guess. But Yasop lets the Marine live. And he tells him to spend his time with and take care of his daughter, Carol. So the flashback ends and Carol is distraught to learn that a pirate had spared her father's life. Nami, at the same time, is kind of impressed at Yasop's skill, saying, hey, Masterson was the best person in the Marines before he retired. That means your dad is pretty fucking badass and up there. Usopp takes daddy's choice in revealing this story as a lesson in manhood because daddy had revealed what is definitely his most embarrassing and shameful story to impress upon Usopp the kind of man that his father was because, you know, pretty much no one knows the story. Like back at the beginning, Smoker and Daddy were talking about, oh, we joined up at the same time. You know, they're kind of friends. But even Smoker, it's implied, doesn't really know why Daddy had quit. So for him to have revealed this, like the source of that to Usopp, saying, hey, this is how your dad is, that makes an impression on Usopp. Usopp begs for another chance to put his life on the line, and Daddy gives him a marksmanship test. So he points off into the distance to this weather vane on top of a house, and he says, okay, you've got to shoot that or die. Now pick your weapon. So Usopp pulls out his trusty slingshot. And Carol's like, oh my god, he is definitely going to die. There's no way that anyone can hit that target with a slingshot. So she is begging her father to spare Usopp's life once Usopp fires because everyone, well, more specifically, Carol and Nami, are kind of just thinking like, oh no, Usopp missed. But daddy says, nope. He shot right through the target. And you see a zoom in to this little whale weather main. And on this crown that the whale has on its head, there is a hole through the crown. Daddy compares Usopp and his aim to Yasop's and says, hey, you're a brave man for doing that. So Daddy tells Usopp to go to the Grand Line and find his father to show him the man that he had become. Carol even gives Usopp the goggles as a parting gift. Usopp is determined to go to the Grand Line again. And that is when we cut to Sanji. He is strolling through town peacefully. When, out of nowhere, someone just yells, Sanji, I've been looking for you for ten years. And that is where the episode ends. Any thoughts? It's a solid, I call it a filler arc because definitely filler is not in any of the manga or anything like that. But I think on like the, what's the anime filler list online, it says it's anime canon. Yeah, so I was going to touch on that for a second. 
Which is so what, what anime canon more or less means is that them being in Rogue Town is canon. Like they they definitely go here, but they are doing the little thin stretch of their wanderabouts in town. So them being in Rogue Town is canon, but this activity, this interaction between Usopp and Daddy, and um, you know everything that goes down here in this episode, and then the tag into uh, what is going to be Sanji and who he runs into, which I will cover next, is not manga canon. But it is because it is within the area that they are in. This area is canon. So it's just kind of, here's an extra side story, if that makes sense. Versus like a, some filler that we may touch on later, should we decide to do more or less, is completely new. They sail to islands and locations that are not in the manga at all and meet characters that are not in the manga at all. Um, as far as new people that are met. So that's the slight distinction that I think is good to make at this early on point. Okay, that makes sense. As far as my thoughts, too, it's a pretty chill episode. It's interesting to, you know, whether or not you take it as canon, see that maybe there are other people that have met people that are connected to our main group. It is a little coincidental that the guy who shoots met the other guy who shoots whose son is right in front of us in the crew. But, um... It at least would make sense that, hey, Usopp's trying to get a pair of goggles because that's how snipers do sometimes. Keep their vision clear. Uh, not really much to it. Pretty straightforward, kind of like a lot of these. But uh, I don't mind it. I don't, I, I don't mind this one because, again, I think an anime filler type of episode versus just complete on filler uh, is neat because it can add a little bit of, uh, I guess, spice to the activities and flesh things out a tiny bit. This one doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Take it away with episode 51. Speaking of Sanji turning around, this final episode for this section today is a burning culinary battle, Sanji versus the gorgeous chef. So another anime filler episode, Sanji wandering about town, gets called out, as we saw in the last episode, by this lady who reveals herself to be Five Alarm Carmen. Her and her two, I guess, lackeys, if you will, are cooking chefs. Oh, well, of course, a cooking chef, that's super redundant, but they're chefs. And uh, she comes out of nowhere, and Sanji's like, I don't know who this woman is, but you're pretty hot, as Sanji is wanting to do. Her entire ensemble, her and her two assistants, just look, completely whacked out crazy and she's like sanji i've come this far to challenge you to a cooking duel insert hell's kitchen music or i don't know great bridge bake off whatever your choice is but she's like no i've, I've come from across the east blue to take down you next i, I have uh i go around east blue taking down all these famous chefs and they're trying to be the best and sanji's like no i'm not gonna take your challenge this is dumb and she's like i'll find a way to get you to battle me in the kitchen sanji you're not going to turn me down. And then she's, it's total like slapstick nonsense. Like she just, she tries to make a, you know, crazy spinning tornado exit, but instead is just spinning herself dizzy and her assistants very conveniently carry her away. Sanji's like, huh? Okay, that's weird, but whatever. Anyway, Sanji just continues to wander about town. And eventually, uh, while this is happening, you see more shots of Buggy's crew and they are eating in a restaurant. And at the same time, Luffy is eating in the same restaurant with Zoro, and they're both kind of far away from each other. They're sitting at like somewhat parallel tables, 
but they just they're obviously their backs are towards each other and they don't get it you know just kind of feeding into the fact that like everyone is next to each other but no one knows where anyone is just that that kind of almost like just insert benny hill music if you will almost that was like my thought that i was thinking just like everyone run like they'll all collide eventually yeah so like that that kind of happens in the restaurant buggy's like i can't find that goddamn straw hat where is he and luffy and zoro are eating and then zoro kind of realizes wait Luffy, how are you paying for this? That whole kind of gag where it's just like, oh, neither of us have money right now. And he's like, what the hell? And Luffy just laughs it off. But of course, because Luffy has plot luck, Buggy is just banging on the table. He's like, God damn it, we'll get those straw hats. And then it happens that he chucks a money bag off of his fork onto Luffy's head because of course he would. And Luffy's like, oh, lucky. And then he just walks over to him. Luffy walks over to Buggy's table, but he doesn't exactly recognize him because I forget if uh, it was mentioned so far. But Buggy and everyone are wearing cloaks because they are trying to stay hidden from the Marines and Smoker that are in the town. So Luffy might not recognize him right away, but they walk away. And Buggy's just feel, sitting there feeling kind of dumb, but he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude, you brought back my money, thanks. And Luffy just takes the coin to pay for his dinner, and then he leaves. Or I guess their lunch, because it's midday. But then they walk out, and Buggy's like, wait, that voice. And then it's um, not Kabaji. Jesus, what's the lion, lion tamer guy's name? Moji. Uh, Moji, yeah, Moji. Because I always think of Richie because I think of the lion first, but no. But yeah, Moji is like, oh yeah, that was Straw Hat. And then he's just kind of chilling, and Buggy's like, wait, what? Why didn't you tell me, you idiot? And they just walk out, and obviously more hijinks to let you know that, hey, they're looking. But we come back to Sanji finally, and uh, Sanji is in the marketplace, and he's uh, looking at different fish. And then he picks up one fish, and he's like, oh, this one's kind of different. And then he eventually talks to the clerk who was selling the fish. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, it's a fish from West Blue. You've got a good eye. And he's like, West Blue, how'd you get all the way out here? And, uh, you know, he goes off on the conversation with the, the guy who's running the fish stand. And then it eventually just wraps around to him. letting him know, Like, yeah, because this is a higher tier major port town. You know, all sorts of fish get brought in here. Uh, and people, like, all, all these new crazy wild things get caught. And then we go back into the flashback of Sanji just thinking again about, you know, his, his goal of all blue, his goal of cooking all sorts of different foods in the world, etc. You know, just hitting it off with the the vendor. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, why don't you go over here and take a look at what these guys have just brought in? Because he sees kind of a commotion near the docks. And then he's like, okay, cool. So they go over and then there's this big old fish called like an, an elephant bluefin tuna. It just imagine a big old blue tuna swordfish looking thing, but instead it's got like tusks on the side of its face. But then Sanji has a flashback to that because of course he would. Uh, but no, there is a uh, there's a moment in his past. It has shown that he you know has seen this crazy big fish before in you know a cooking book that uh, he was reading when he was younger. And he was just talking to older kitchen mates from when he was a kid and you know hearing about all blue and like all these different fish and getting to cook all these crazy things that obviously spurs him on. So bring it back to the present. You know he's like oh wait he talks to the clerk guy and he's like hey I want to buy this fish can I do it like I, I have we have money. I can't, can I buy the fish? And then he's like, oh, we're not selling this fish. This fish is very conveniently the prize for winning a cooking competition. And Sanji's like, okay, whatever. I'll join this competition. Guess what? Like, let's do it. But then he thinks for a second and he's like, oh, wait. This is with that crazy lady, isn't it? God damn it. So yeah, very, very conveniently, of course, he, have, there, he finds a way to get involved in the competition. But anyway, so the competition starts up. He does his whole cook thing. I think it's uh, Nami and Usopp come by and they're like, oh, Sanji, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, hello, doing a cooking competition so we can get the fish. 
Um, you know, because Sanji, he doesn't care for all the attention. He doesn't care about this crazy cooking lady. He's just like, I get it. She's all flash and flare or whatever. She's just doing her thing. I'm just here to cook. But I want the, I want the big fish because, you know, that's, that fits into his goal. Um, so a whole bunch of sequences take place. And uh, it's mostly just Sanji and then Carmen, the other cook lady, cutting through the competition. So it boils down to just them in the, in the final, in the cook-off against both of them. And you get a sequence of both of them just doing their thing. Eventually, you know, they whip up a bunch of nice meals. And then it seems like, you know, again, they're really trying to just dig in the fact that, like, yeah, Sanji is really focused on his goal. Like, he doesn't... Like, yeah, he's obviously cooking against this Carmen lady, but her goal is to beat Sanji. But Sanji's goal has nothing to do with her. So it's, they almost paint him as having, like, a very zen moment here. Or he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... You know, I'm gonna do my meal. I'm gonna do it as best I can. And if what I bring to the table can win me the fish, then there you go. So competition finishes and then the judges are finishing their meal and then uh, the announcer judge gets up and he's like thank you for joining us today our the winner of the contest is going to be san he's about to say sanji but he gets cut off and carmen is like wait because i think she realizes that she has lost but at the same time not to be undone uh she goes over and talks to sanji and just says like hey my whole goal has been to follow you and see if I can best your skills because very conveniently, which is again why this is anime canon and should you choose to hold this or not, it's up to you. But shows a screenshot again of Sanji when he was a kid, but apparently Sanji regaling his dream about all blue was overheard by a girl of about the same age at one time who very conveniently happens to be this Carmen lady. But she was also a youngster as it were. I don't know if she was also at the Barati or if she was somewhere else. I do forget where the flashback was specifically was taking place. I want to say it was there. Though, wasn't it? Okay, before there. Okay. I had forgotten. But yeah, either way. With those, um, those chefs from his first apprenticeship. Yeah, I thought that's where The it ones was. are like, oh, don't look down on eating leftovers. Okay. But yeah, e- either way, very conveniently happened to be in the same place at the same time. And it overheard his very heartfelt and zealous... Uh, childhood you know talkings to his chef superiors in that kitchen he was like no i want to find all blue and chase my dream etc and apparently this was what inspired her at some point even though she'd been going all across east blue you know trying to take down other chefs and you know gain some notoriety for being a cook she uh she eventually you know sanji was her her top goal is this guy out here is he still cooking and it looks like he is, and he is still, you know, leagues ahead of her, as she acknowledges. But she's, you know, ready to, you know, someday she'll give him another challenge. She'll concede for now. Bobby's like, oh, I'll get you soon. I'll keep cooking. I'll keep building my skills. You know, po- positive competitorship, if you will. There's really not much more to it. Sanji wins his big fish, and he starts walking with Nami Usopp. And as they are walking back, it's Nami who points out, like, ooh, this, the weather looks like it's going to change. It's sunny out, but we should get everything back to the ships before, you know, rain comes or anything else. So as that is happening, we finally cut back all the way to Luffy as we are getting back into what will be canon territory the next time you join us. Whereas in Luffy uh, does reach the gallows finally and gets all the way to the top. And all the pieces are starting to line up because you see uh, Buggy and his gang move in to do their thing or at least they're starting to make moves and not only that but uh smoker as well receives a message from you know one of his marine underlings and he's like oh luffy is there guess he took the bait after all and then that's why he had people watching the execution platform so everything is lined up everything is ready to go and 
that leaves us on the to be continued. I know this one was kind of short you know, for what it was, but again, it was another anime filler, as we're calling it. I don't know. What do you guys think? It's just kind of wacky, in my opinion. It's uh, it's pretty much just like, oh, well, it's Sanji doing some cooking, and it doesn't really have much of a significance or anything else like that. It's, it is what it is. I mean, it has some parts in it that are true and, and follow along with the entire plot line and, and just in general in One Piece. However, it's just like, it's it's kind of shitty. It's, it's just filler, in my opinion. But it's still fun. It's still crazy and zany like most filler is. So it's a solid episode. If you like filler, then it's a good filler episode. I liked how at the beginning when she was saying, oh, I've been following you for 10 years, her assistants were like, oh, it's actually just been like 10 days. She's kind of got a habit of exaggerating things before it cuts back to, you know, oh, wait a minute. As it turns out, she actually has been following him for 10 years, but, you know, they didn't know that. See, I I almost forgot about that till you mentioned that now, and I'll, I'll explain more once you're done, but yes, that is a good point to make. I liked that, basically, is what I'm saying. That little fake red herring, if you will. It's a fish joke. Um... I do like that, even if it's filler, the fish itself is kind of like a way for Sanji to think, hey, maybe this is proof that the all blue exists. This is a fish from the south blue, plus the fish he'd seen from the west blue. You know, these shouldn't be here, but they're fairly close to these waters almost by the Grand Line. It's still technically in the East Blue, but, you know, those occurrences are coming together. Yeah. Pretty straightforward episode, though. Yeah. No, I was going to say, there there really isn't much to it. It's kind of, of the, the three we've told today, the first one was, a, if I'm recalling, a, an actual canon episode, and then the previous one with our friend Daddy, um, who comes and goes. He is a that that was anime canon, but I think a little more happened there that I think felt I don't want to say felt like more or less believable, but it just felt like it had a slight bit of more weight. But yeah, the, it's mostly just like, well, we're cooking with Sanji, but yeah, I, I almost forgot about that little bit with the uh, oh, I've been following you for 10 years because that uh, that makes a lot of sense, so at least like adds to it. it's like, well, we can say she mentioned it, and even though it is a little horny, like, well, of course she was peeking through the door and we just didn't see it because you know. You know, why you can't draw two rooms at once. She was conveniently off screen waiting to be shown. It, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a filler episode. It takes place where they are and it like doesn't, it doesn't not make sense for them to kind of like take in the town as it were and like make it feel like a bigger place than it is. But um, yeah, we are, we are now finally on the home stretch of Rogue Town. So keep your excitement high for that. Yeah. That is going to be it for us this week. Steve, plugs. The good old bird app at Steve Horniak, J-O-R-N-Y-A-K. That's my last name. Uh, it's usually just kind of fun shit. Not too serious. Not too uh, funny, though, sometimes. I'm working on being more funny, but you know. So if you also have funny lessons, like you can teach me how to be funny, hit me up. Because, yeah. For me, I also 
do the bird, as it were. My Twitter is at Robling. Uh, I also do like to stream old and new video games. I have been mildly cautious and will currently have been taking a very minimal break from streaming just because I was studying for the GRE. I'm done with the GRE now. And, uh, so that is all finally almost done. So I will probably start streaming soon. As I said in the last episode, maybe branded an internet criminal, internet pirate, as it were, because uh, some crazy stuff is going on right now as far as rules on Twitch and people uh, thrown over the table for it, as it were. So we'll see what happens, trying to make sure I uh, stay safe, but that's what it leads to, then Yarhar, it's Twitch pirate time. Uh, and that is twitch.tv slash robling, should you choose to follow. Okay, you can find me on most social media platforms with the handle at El Tubacabra, that is E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. You can find the show on Twitter with the handle at Reluctant Cruise. You can find us on Instagram with the handle at Reluctant Cruise Podcast. You can email us if you want to by sending it to reluctantcruise at gmail.com. As always, have fun on that cruise. And fuck the sea cops. <laughs> <laughs>